We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Believe it or not, guys, game day has finally arrived. The Hall of Fame game is here. The OBR Film Breakdown has everything you need, including history of the Hall of Fame game, betting lines, players to watch, any other storyline to watch. It's all covered here. And then at the end, you're going to get a little bit of insight on a fun interview with myself, John Colosimo, on our thoughts on Oppenheimer, if that's something you're interested in. Stick around. Loaded show coming up next. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. As you know, we're here to talk about the Hall of Fame game, Browns-Jets. It is a... Uh, listen, it's it's the first time the Browns have been involved in this since 1999. I know I've talked about it a little bit on shows leading up to this, but it is a pretty cool game to be involved in. And, you know, it's it's just... It's neat to look back on when it happened last and some of the stuff around the Browns' last Hall of Fame game. So they were in uh, 1999, like I talked about, that was back when they selected the teams based on NFC, AFC was what they were shooting for back then. In 2010, it shifted over more to a format of players being selected and kind of making it conducive to the fans who were maybe traveling to see the player from their franchise get into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, they've kind of filtered in teams based on that. So that's obviously what they did this year. As you know, Darrell Rivas is the popular name uh, that is going in. For the Jets, Joe Klecko also going in from the Jets side. The Browns, we know, have Joe Thomas going in. And it's just been a nice little chance for the Browns to get somebody, you know, get somebody into that game. Because I think the last time the Browns had somebody inducted into the Hall of Fame was 2007, Gene Hickerson. But obviously, Gene Hickerson is not going to carry the sort of fan base, uh, you know, applause and showing that they're they're going to have for Joe Thomas. So obviously, the the situation determined by popular locations teams that haven't been in this game for a while and and players getting into the hall and I think uh, accommodating the Browns in this situation is pretty cool I was actually looking back at the uh the 1999 game and there's just some funny quotes uh this this comes from the AP you know the Browns born again three years after uh, their departure for Baltimore the Browns born again aren't a typical expansion team and in their debut Monday night on national tv they didn't play like one 
They capped a 20-17 to overtime victory over the Cowboys in which Tim Couch threw a deep touchdown, which everybody loved, dazzled the crowd. Chris Spielman, after the game, said, I think, I think what was impressive is how he won that game, Spielman said. His first game in two years, we competed. I'll tell you what, we're going to be a competitive football team that then went 2-14. and Hey, but this is a highlight time. They, they were on top of the world at this moment. Uh, Phil Dawson kicked a 20-yard field goal with eight minutes and six seconds remaining in overtime. That's uh, that's that's to give the Browns the win after Danny Knight missed a 47-yarder as time expired back when there was a kicking battle before Phil Dawson became the Phil Dawson we know today. The winning kick by Dawson was set up by Dalen McCutcheon's second interception of the night, so that was a really promising start for the rookie Dalen McCutcheon. Tim Couch on the game went 11 of 17, 137 yards, a touchdown, ran for 14 yards after he replaced Ty Detmer. Couch overthrew his first attempt in the game, but then completed 10 straight, hooking up with Kevin Johnson, 24-yard scoring play, 14-7 lead. Pretty hopeful, right? That was after Karma Policy grinned from ear to ear talking about Couch signed by the Browns to a seven-year, $59 million deal a day of the draft. Yeah, man, this is just, it's a flashback of uh, of of just, that this time they didn't know where the Browns were going, so... Uh, a fun little revisit in history. But back to tonight and the game at hand. The Browns are actually getting a point and a half, according to FanDuel. So, you know, want to give FanDuel their chance to get some shine. They don't sponsor this pod or anything, but I think they're a, one of the best sports books on the market. The over-under is 33 and a half. So if you are a degenerate and you are into the gambling on the Hall of Fame game, you can get in on those interesting lines, including taking your underdog Browns to cover in a pseudo-home game. That's the ability that you have on this one. It looks like it's going to be NBC that's going to cover this game, so that is a 7 o'clock coverage start, 8 o'clock kick. Probably going to get Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark, all the usuals. Canton weather looks pretty good for the game. Looks like it's going to be 87, partly cloudy as a high for the day, 63 is what you're looking at as a low. So you're probably looking at around 80 at the time of kickoff. Otherwise, Tom Benson Stadium, as you know, is the name of the Hall of Fame football field up there in Canton. So that will be the host. The Hall of Fame game started from 71 to 2010. It was played AFC to NFC, like I said. It has switched over since then. The Jets have not been involved since 1992. So both teams are pretty dang overdue to have themselves in this game. Um, yeah, so long story short, there've been some field, uh, issues, poor conditions on the field that wiped one of these out. Um, the 2021, obviously because of COVID, but it seems like of late, these have gone off much better. Some upgrades to the stadium, uh, have happened there in Canton that have really made it even better than it has been in the past. So again, Rondé Barber, Don Coryell, the historic coach, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Darrell Rivas, Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, DeMarcus Ware, are all of your names going into the Hall of Fame. And listen, from the Browns' side, it's going to be just, you know, figuring out of these of these young players who stands out. I mean, you can go through, and I'll go through some of the position battles and stuff like that with John here in just a moment. But, like, you know, it's just a lot of these guys are going to play more than they will in even other preseason games. And it's just about taking advantage of your reps. How clean does the performance look? There's going to be too much put on whether the good or bad, given credit or taking it away from Stefanski. That's the nature of this whole thing. But I, I am excited to watch some of the players, the UDFA types, those guys, 
get a chance to play for an extended period of time, and then also seeing the rookies and depth guys that will matter play some of those early moments too. It's just exciting to see the teams get back on the field. We'll do all of these throughout the year, a Sunday morning or whenever game day is preview pod that hits on some of these, a bit deeper dive on the gambling you know, we'll talk weather coverage, all that stuff throughout the year. So you can expect this if you're new to the podcast to get one of these every Sunday morning. We are going to shift, though. I brought uh, uh, John Colosimo on for an interview, a little bit of time spent with him. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame game a little bit. But then uh, we want to talk about Oppenheimer, too. So if you have not seen that movie or don't care to have any sort of aspect of it spoiled, you'll want to shut it off when I give the warning in a little bit. But otherwise, let's get over to our time spent with John right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, John Coliseum on the building. John, what's up, buddy? How are you? How's life? Uh, you know, yeah, pretty good. Um, taking a, another trip out of town. Uh, got a chance to uh, catch a movie by myself yesterday. Um, got an early flight tomorrow, but uh, not a bad trip. Well, we know what movie you saw. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we get to that main dish, I guess the appetizer is the sort of uh, NFL appetizer before the real preseason gets here, this Hall of Fame game. Uh, it's it's a weird game where, you know, obviously you would <laughs> I had a hard time watching this as other teams are in it because it's just it's truly names that you don't know. And I think there are going to be some names. Even Browns fans aren't all too familiar with playing a significant portion of this game. But there are going to be a lot of guys that are going to be key depth pieces for them playing. So when you watch this game tomorrow night, who are you sort of drawn to from a player standpoint or any other, you know, sort of storyline standpoint around this Browns Jets game? Because, you know, I feel like they're going to be talking about things that 
don't matter much to this game and Aaron Rodgers and the Browns and all that. They'll focus on the key storylines, but I am interested in what people are paying attention to with the guys who plan to actually hit the field. Yeah, you know, uh, I think I'm mostly focused offense, uh, which, you know, obviously we're not going to get premium offensive line play, but you won't get premium defensive line play either. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to see some Tillman. I would like to see some Bell. That's, you know, if I had to pick a couple of players who I, you know, would be actually interested in seeing, even in this kind of toilet bowl of a game, um, those are the two that I want to see most. Yeah, I would say that there's some interest or intrigue from my end a little bit on what the structure of the offense looks like, right? Like, uh, does it does it feel different? Two mobile quarterbacks, Mond and DTR, are going to play for you significantly. Does the does it feel different than it has in years past, or do we see a lot of the same elements? Not that that tells you what they're going to do in the regular season, but at least gives you an idea of sort of what they're planning to structurally do as a as a core philosophy. Are they playing a lot more eleven personnel? Right, some of that stuff uh, comes to mind. Is there is there any other players like any other rookies that you're interested? In? I mean, I'm drawn to a little bit of Dewan Jones if he's going to play, what oh, he yeah. looks like. Yeah. Um, Cam Mitchell seems like a, a rookie that's had some moments in camp. That's another one. Are you drawn to anybody else that's sort of fighting for a job or a young talent? Uh, don't kill me for this. Um, our new defensive end um, that we grabbed in, uh, what, the fourth or fifth? McGuire? Yep. Yeah, Isaiah McGuire. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's a good one. I think Isaiah McGuire is interesting. I think I think you're certainly going to be drawn a little bit to what Isaiah Thomas can do, too, because he's kind of fighting for Agreed. Uh, that role as well, that, that, that end of the D injury. But I also want to see some of these – uh, UDFAs, you know, uh, Mahmoud Diabite, the kid from Utah, the linebacker, he's going to get a lot of chance to play. Lonnie Phelps, the Kansas kid, will get a, a good amount of chance to play. And then Hassan Hall, that Georgia Tech running back, will, will probably play a good amount too. They won't play the three techs, right? Like they're not going to play Hurst in a game like this, right? I actually think they might. Those huh. guys are fighting for jobs. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm inclined to think that they will give those guys some run. Tristan Hill's been beat up a little bit. Shocker, I know. But I think that there's a chance they do play some of those guys early, uh, Hurst and them, to, to see what they have. Because, you know, obviously they brought in Shelby Harris. There's some unsettled feelings about that room in general. And I expect them to bring in more people. But they they probably want to get a real, you know, live bullets fired situation for Hurst and, and whoever else, Tommy Togiai, to see where they're sort of sitting this year. So I, I expect them to do it uh, in some capacity, well, maybe, maybe not a ton, but some. Well, then I, I will say that I'm very interested if they do that, because, um, you know, if you put a Hurst in there and he's relatively healthy, um, I expect to see some domination there. I mean, like he's out, yeah. like he should be outmatching if he's healthy, he should be way outmatching anything that he sees uh, in a game like this. And I would be concerned if he wasn't, I guess is what I'm saying. Very true. Very true. I would be concerned too. And the way they have attacked sort of who they've brought in, signed or brought in or worked out since, since they've gotten back from the Greenbrier, because logistically they can't handle all that stuff down there. You took who you took and that's it. Um, you know, you're not going to have a guy fly down for two days at the Greenbrier and head home, you know, head back with the team. It'd be kind of strange. So they're telling you a little bit of where their concerns are. DB depth, you know, maybe frontline defensive tackle because they just don't feel great about that situation. So we'll see if that evolves. Obviously getting an extra preseason game helps in terms of roster analysis. So uh, we'll get a pretty good feel for things after the game. But listen, that game is going to come and go. We're going to remember probably uh, none of it. Um, You know, maybe we remember some great play from Dobbs or Dobbs isn't playing or some great play from Thompson Robinson or Kellen Mond or something, but that's, the game's going to come and go. What we do need to talk about, John, 
is Oppenheimer. You finally saw it. If you have not seen that movie, this is the point at which you should cut off the podcast and be done with it for the day. But we did want to uh, spend some time talking about it. John went to see it. Um, like he said the other day, I've, it's been a couple weeks. I don't know when, how, when did that come out? The 70? Yeah. So it's been a couple weeks for me. So I'm not, I, hopefully my details aren't too grainy on it, but um, you know, I, 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 it stuck with me for a while. So I'm just it, 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 like initial, was it the movie you thought it was going to be? Put it that way. We'll start there. Not exactly. I would say, you know, um, although, you know, you could, you know, you could hit me over the head for expecting something different. I mean, it is called Oppenheimer. I guess it was a lot more, you know, singularly focused on his story that, that and and understand that I purposely avoid any kind of preview stuff. If like it, if I see something a little bit and I already know I want to see it, then I turn it off and I don't look at anything else before I go. I don't watch previews. I don't read any reviews. I like I completely shut off once I already decided I want to go see something. So it was it was definitely a more personal story than I was expecting. Um so I'll say that off the bat. It, it that's a good point. I think a lot of people were really building up to the to the to the bomb and like you know, the test or whatever. What was the name of the test? I can't, it's escaping me oh, right Trinity. now. Trinity. Yeah. Like people were building up to that. And I think that there was some idea that people thought that you were going to see the, the two bombs dropped in Japan. I like, did know like, we I weren't just... going to see that. I did know that. In the yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I think people thought it was going to be a Nolan action movie and it just wasn't that. And like, that's hard for, you know, you got to think you're coming off of all of these movies of his, which are truly action at their core, like, you know, Tenet and Dunkirk and all of the Dark Knights and uh, Inception, even Inception, which is very much a thinking movie, is is tied to some really cool action scenes, you know. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I just think it was different than people thought. It was centered around character study, which, again, to your point, it's named Oppenheimer. We should have presumed this. I just I just know that as I was sitting there. This this like I, I kept thinking to myself, this is different than what I had anticipated, even though the, the, the moment when they did Trinity was really, really cool. I mean, the way it went silent yes. and the sort of late yeah. delayed boom that came with it. I thought they handled that really, really well. Did you did you like that second act where it all kind of built up to that moment or, or, or were you kind of let down by the bomb? Yeah, no, 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 I wasn't at all. Um, I love that. I think that maybe I expected a little less of the. Maybe prior story on Oppenheimer and I you know I've, I've said this before like there's that podcast that Dan Carlin did uh, called Destroyer of Worlds that is one of my favorite mm-hmm. podcasts ever that I've ever listened to um, and I thought more might focus on his confliction after the bomb went off and and it wasn't it was like that was the balance that took me a little bit off guard where you know if you kind of like shifted a bar on his life um, you know, I think there was a whole lot more on his backstory versus I thought maybe there would be a lot more focus on that portion of confliction, which it was there. And it's a huge, it's a huge point of the story. Like, you know, if you, if you take this all, you know, and you look at the build up to the, to the climax of the movie, like that's what it's about, you know, like at least that's one of the absolute main storylines, but they didn't really spend a lot of time on it. You know, even, you know, this whole thing even builds up to that, you know, the conversation with Einstein there. And, um, you know, so like it is a culmination of the movie, 
but there, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot, you know, giving you that. You like you could kind of see his emotions a little bit and those kind of things, and it focused a lot about how he was kind of wishy washy as a as a guy in general. Um, yeah, you know, but that's probably where it kind of caught me a little off guard. Now it's super interesting. Maybe you want to go and fact check the movie immediately. You know what I mean? Like read about Downey's character you know, who was not a guy that has ever been part of this story for me. Um, mm-hmm. So, and the hearings and like all that part is like new material for me. So like, it makes me want to go and dig into that and read more about it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the thing that, um, that surprised me about it. There are just so many elements of the, the whole thing. Like you get, you, you're, you're taught the story of the atomic bombs and all of these you know, whatever history, history book elements when you're growing up and you, you kind of have seen it in some pop, pop culture here and there, but you know, the, 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 the vastness of all of that coming together, how you have to do it, how you have to move people to a small town, even though I think the first act was, was pretty slow at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like obviously it's hard because you, you want to, you want to teach people the, the connection Oppenheimer had to not only his course of study, but you want to connect him to how it, you know, how he brought it to America, how he brought, you know, quantum physics and how he, you know, the, the, the reason people would even come see him. I thought it was, you know, the first act was necessary. The second act was phenomenal. And the third act was like, it was just kind of a holy shit. Like I just, I didn't know. And I, I've, I've listened to interviews from Robert Downey Jr. Since he's played the role. And I just didn't know that he had that. And he was nervous about whether he had that ability to remove himself from from Tony Stark, right? Like he's ta- he's been vocal about this and I just was really blown away by how well he he in, in method acted. I mean, like he kind of he did or didn't and you could get into the debate on that, but like I just I again I don't know who the character like the, the idiosyncrasies of the character he's playing there, but like I just thought he was really good and there were times I was like that's not Robert Downey. I can't even like that he was he was really good. So I don't even know. I guess what I'm saying is you know all of these huge cameos and I would say that the like I have two things, two takes I want to give on the on the on the acting of the whole thing. So Robert Downey, I think there's an argument that he actually stole that movie. I want your opinion on that because of how well he handled the role. Even though you know I love Killian, I thought he crushed it. I thought Robert Downey was just phenomenal. And then secondly, the single scene that was like the most like, holy shit, this is great is when Emily Blunt turns it on at the hearing. Okay, yeah. The moment where she turns, yeah. I did not know she had that in her. And I've liked her in a lot of things. But that moment was, that was like, oh my God, this is great. You so know I, what I mean? I love that moment. I um, What I would criticize, I absolutely love that moment. What I would criticize is like, um, maybe it was like almost a little too much of a departure from where they had her for the rest, for the whole rest of the relationship. Like I could have, like you know, but yeah, that was that was awesome, and you know, like, I can see that what you're talking about with her kind of leaving the path of almost, you know, she didn't play much confidence in certain parts. Now she did some, she did play some backbone confidence roles, like when she she's kind of finds him after the the suicide or whatever, and 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 you know tells him that he doesn't get to make the people feel sorry for him. Yes, and, true. That, that 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 moment from her was. 
I was I literally I think I audibly said holy shit like, yeah, shit, no, like her dude. face changed I was waiting for was somebody to dig into that dude you know and uh yeah it was fantastic yeah I did that's one of my favorite parts of the movie I just I, I just what what did you think about Downey give me give me your Downey thoughts was he as good as I'm selling here because I thought he was I think he's got supporting actor I, I can't imagine like somebody's gonna beat him for that like I just wrap it up just you know write it write his name on the card right now I think so too, man. It was, uh, I, I, again, like I, I know he was nervous about it. I listened to him on the armchair expert, which is a great podcast out there. And he was sort of like, didn't know if he had that in him anymore, uh, having played Stark for so long and, um, just really cool. But that, get the sheer, like Alden was great. There were so many just cameo. Like I honestly thought that there was a moment where in this, in a movie like that, you can teeter on having too many people, like too many names. And it somehow worked to me. It somehow worked. But uh, to the to the to the thing with Oppenheimer in general, you know, and I think this is something for me that is uh, something that I struggle with with history. It's like, you know, it's pretty clear that Oppenheimer is using the the hearings and the public backlash and kind of, you know, what Emily Blunt is her character. Uh, Kitty, I think it is, is, is coming at him about ruining his reputation did you get the vibe that they're saying, and I didn't read the book. So, I mean, this is just two people that saw the movie. Maybe you did that. His angle was if I give, like, if I give my name to this and like, you know, cause after the Truman, when he goes in to see Truman, I think it's Truman, right. He goes to the president and he's like, I don't ever want to see that coward in my office again. He clearly feels guilt. And is he using like the hearings as a way to wash away some of the guilt? Like I'm just, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think it's why he's taking yeah. the beating. And I think like he finally like comes out and says that at the end, like another thing is kind of, I don't know if it's understated or whatever, but uh, you know, it's, it's that moment where he finally answers what his deal with the H bomb is, you know, which is, you know, and this is where I felt like, and I touched you this, right. Where the, the famous quote, right. I have become death destroyer of worlds. You know, um, this is where I think they failed a little bit. They got the quote right, which I was worried somebody on Twitter had said that, you know, uh, said that he said, I have become death. And I would have been really pissed if they screwed up that quote. But um, but I don't think they they I think they grossly misused that quote. That's such a that's such an incredible quote. And it's and it speaks to the exact thing in that timeline is which you know which is his guilt um you know about that but the the whole quote you know like they 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 worked it in some ways you know which is in the sex scene where he starts to talk about you know how it's from vishnu and you know a little bit whatever it's in sanskrit you know um they they touch on it like so they get like little pieces of it but like that quote like if you listen to oppenheimer say that which is on tape you know you can feel that emotion and how he felt, you know, and there's, there's also the, the possible, you know, I think they wanted to set up that whole Einstein thing, which is why they didn't, um, which is why they didn't bring this up. So I think they wanted to have the boom at the end with the Einstein conversation. Uh, but, you know, Einstein wrote a letter, paradox, right? He talked about how he, you know, he could have burned his, you know, fingers to the bone for ever sending that letter to the president saying they could build it in the first place. You know, like that's a awesome piece of history. And I think they left that one out strictly so that they could have the, the wow moment on the conversation later on in the, in the thing. So, 
Um, but yeah, like I, I just think that, uh, yeah, I think he was allowing himself to get beat up because he felt bad. And like, I think this, these are all like parts of what make this, this whole story and the aftermath. So, you know, fascinating as a piece of history, because, you know, there is valid arguments that, you know, that they didn't need to drop that bomb or they could have dropped that bomb in a, um, you know, in a non-populated portion to show the power of it. And certainly there's a huge argument that there was absolutely no reason to drop that second one. Um, you know, that, no. that's and even the, even the, yeah, even the test ones that were, that were pretty harsh to the community oh, <laughs> out yeah. there. No. They, they ran so many, like, you know, you know, they, they don't have that as part of the movie and I don't think it would have made sense to, but like the nuclear tests that they did out there, like they did so many before like yeah. you know it was really understood what you were what you were really doing there long term wise yeah it's it's like i also have a hard time with i think when you're removed from the from the dropping of the bombs i think it's very easy to say that they didn't need to do it but when you're in the moment of hey we can bring and you're imagine you're you know you have kids now john like you're you're 18 year old 19 year old serving and they're going to have to attack mainland and there and you come to find out that there was a bomb they could have used it's just very easy to say and i'm not saying you're saying that i'm just like this historical standpoint of shaming the united states for it's just really hard to in that moment knowing we literally can end this war right now instead of using human lives it's just it's hard like it's just not a it's not a very it's not a black and white thing to me for some sure. people think it is for sure no that's actually what makes it interesting you know I, I actually find like the um you know this is an offshoot but i'll try to make it quick i actually find like actual world war ii like kind of the most boring of the of that sequence like i find world war one far more interesting um because it's more gray um and there's like world war ii is like a very evil guys versus the good guys type thing. And, you know, I find like the aftermath of the bomb and world war one, a thousand times more interesting to me because, you know, there are these gray areas. And I think you're right in what you're saying that, no, I think that they had to drop one, whether or not they had to do it in a popular place, uh, you know, populated place, whether they had to do it twice. Those are, you know, those are the things that I would, um, you know, think are debatable, but I, you had to drop it. I mean, like, there's the the famous story. There's an, and Dan Carlin did a whole episode on this one, which is amazing too. Um, you know, there's a famous story about that one Japanese soldier, right? That was I forget what uh, which island he was on. He was uh, some island in the in the Pacific, right? That was still fighting this war like 30 years later because the um, because the emperor hadn't told him that, you know, that the war was over, that they had given up. Like, I think they had to, you know, if I remember it correctly, like they had to literally bring him, you know, to the island to tell this guy <laughs> that the war was over. And it was like the 70s, man. If you don't know that story, like, oh you God. should know. I mean, oh, it's like they got another six-hour podcast on that one on Dan Carlin. You should read about this dude. <laughs> he was in the hills by himself. Crazy fighting that war for another 25 years. This warped part of history where you're kind of just believe, I, I don't know. This is just a, a bigger me issue where, you know, I've told, I've told friends, the one thing I would like to do is be able to go like a superpower. You know, if you ask your, your kids that question or you've thought about it, 
I think I, there's a lot of cool superpowers, but being able to put yourself in any moment in history and figure out the truth of it. Oh yeah. You know, because we're, we're, oh, we're getting these secondhand accounts. I got, yeah, we get these place. secondhand accounts of it. Right. And it's like, I would just really like to be able to go back and know the actuality of every like thing that we think is, I would like how much, what the percentages I wonder of, of things that we just don't, we don't know accurately. It's got to be high. It's got to be really high. Very. I, you know, I just accept it. That I got like a, a set of like favorite daydreams that I go into sometimes. And that's definitely one of them. I got probably a list of 10, 10 places that I go immediately if I had a time machine just to be an observer. Yeah. Yep. 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 Good stuff. Well, Hey, Oppenheimer folks, see it. Okay. Did you see Barbie? Yeah, did you nope, see that one? Nope, haven't seen it yet. <laughs> we saw it. I took my wife wanted to see it, so we went, and it was it was actually pretty good for what the material is and what it could have been. They they could have really it could have been an all time clunker, but but she Greta handled it really well. It was actually it was actually pretty good. We enjoyed it. So take that for what it's worth. I'll John. buy that. I know I'll watch it eventually. Um, I yep. just don't think I'll probably be able to make it out to see it on my own, but we'll see. It'll be it's a good TV movie. That's not one you need to see on a big screen. So there we go. John Colosimo, everybody. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, that was fun. I've been I've been waiting to talk about this for a couple of weeks, so good stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you being here. You know, as as always, appreciate John Colosimo for taking some time while he's on the road to swing by and record. And especially always like chatting movies with him as often as I can and Oppenheimer being one of the ones we looked forward to for so long. I didn't want to do that with anyone else. So hopefully you enjoyed the, the goofy perspectives that we had, and maybe we're missing something in our conversation, you can always hit us up, let us know. Uh, just love chatting about that movie. But anyway, guys, like I said, thanks for being here. We have finally made it. Hall of Fame game, real football in your living room. It's going to be great. Stop by the OBR. Check out the post-game show. We are switching things up this year, not doing a pre-game show, doing a post-game show, but we're actually going to do all post-game shows in the evening um, whether it's a Sunday 1 o'clock kick or immediately after a primetime late-night slot, we are going to do evening uh, post-game shows where we can all kind of decompress and think through what happened in the game and bring some real analysis to what we're talking about instead of kind of the raw emotion stuff that is for more of the hothead radio angle. That's not what we're trying to do. So anyway, check out the post-game show, which for this one will be right after the conclusion of the Hall of Fame game. Check that out on Twitch. Otherwise, take advantage of the 75% promo for annual memberships still going on. It's a great opportunity to join the OBR community, support local journalism here that we do at the OBR, and take advantage of, like again, I said, a, a really great deal to be a part of what we do at the OBR, which I think is some of the best in the city. I, I will say that, some of the best in the city. So stop by and also check out the podcast and subscribe if you're not already doing so. If you're a new listener for the new season, always appreciate feedback, reviews, rate, rating the pod, all that stuff. Uh, it, it makes for a bigger outreach. So thanks again, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game tonight. Check in tomorrow for the recap show that we do on that Hall of Fame game. Until then, hopefully your Browns take care of business against the Jets. We'll catch you tomorrow. Go Browns.